It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast presented by our friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies for a variety of ailments at Smoky Mountain Organics. We've been talking about them for a while here at VolQuest. They've been a great friend of ours. And remember, if you're shopping in store, mention VolQuest, you'll get, <clears throat> excuse me, 15% off your total purchase. And they've got four stores to serve you. That's Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and their store in Knoxville on Kingston Bike, just down from Trader's Joe's on the opposite side of the street. Or you can shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Plenty to get to uh, football recruiting and, and football as bowl preparation can continue. We'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But, Rob Lewis, I, we've been covering this a long time. It's been a long time since... Uh, the story about Tennessee athletics was basketball and it had nothing to do with Tennessee playing a basketball game on Saturday. It was about Tennessee not playing a basketball game on Saturday. Rick Barnes putting a bow tie on the Memphis um, cancellation um, on Monday. Um, first of all, start with your takeaway from Rick Barnes. I don't think either one of us is surprised he kind of went the direction he went. Were you? No, not at all. I mean, he's – I mean, without name calling, you know, or, or mentioning anybody by name, he's made it pretty clear that he felt like Memphis could have played. They didn't want to play shorthanded. And, um, you know, that, it's pretty easy to read between the lines. I mean, how many times since Saturday has he referenced former assistant coach Rob Lanier taking his Georgia State team to Rhode Island and playing with like maybe seven kids, missing three starters, or I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but shorthanded which coach clearly felt Penny Hardaway was not willing to do. Uh, Rick even said himself that – what was his quote? That they, he'd, pull, he'd pull kids out of the student body if, you know, if that's what it took to, to field a team because it's because the fans deserve it. So, yeah, I kind of told, told the story a couple of weeks ago about Memphis not, wanting to move, not being willing to move the game a few years ago to accommodate Tennessee for some scheduling things. And so because of that, that – I didn't, Tennessee wouldn't play them anymore as long as Rick was here. And you can, you can double down on that now. <laughs> just, just take it to the bank. It is, and, and I do want to ask this, and you may not know the answer to this. Because they didn't play this game and it's a canceled game, does that mean the contract, that three-year deal is over, or is there still another game that, that has to be played to fulfill that contract? Do you have any idea no, what, that's a what great the language is Hubbard, there? I, that is a great question. I had, I, I had not even thought about that, or I would have asked Rick that. Um, today on mon on Monday, we're recording this on Monday, but uh, I I tell you the, the head coach is acting like he's not playing that he has played his last game against that program. Yeah, so, I, that that's my impression too. So my, my assumption is because Memphis could not fulfill their end of the agreement that that would take and, and eliminate the last year. I'm not a lawyer, but that's the way I would interpret well, that. And I I would also interpret it as the fact that Memphis can't they could have played the game and they chose right. not to. Yeah, yeah. So they did not fulfill their their part of the, uh, of the contract. There, you, you had a I, I thought just an unbelievable point on, on the message board on Monday, and, and I don't want to do thirty minutes or twenty minutes talking about Memphis, but I, I do want to reference this point because I thought it was a pretty fascinating um, point that you had. Memphis playing in Brooklyn earlier this year, 
we all know what you have to do in the, in the state of New York uh, with vaccinations and showing your vaccination card and all those things in, in terms of being able to play. Interesting, they, they played that game. Hardaway says they're 90% vaccinated. Then he comes back and said he misspoke. Now it sounds like hardly any of, the, of his team is vaccinated. Um, kind of bizarre that they could that, that they played in New York, but but they're not a very heavily vaccinated team. But by the, by the interpretation that, that you have following the fallout from Saturday, it's really bizarre. And I don't know what Memphis's itinerary was, but I you know how much you know any of those events, those, those holiday tournaments. There's always you know some non basketball events that that the sponsors put on and, you know, it's really, it, it's usually pretty classy and pretty fun, but I know from talking to Tennessee, Tennessee's people that they actually, Tennessee's like behind the scenes support staff. If they went anywhere, like when the team, when they went to a team dinner, when they went and practiced offsite, they had like a walkthrough at the New York athletic club, they had to have vaccination verification for everybody, player, student manager, Anybody that went, if they went into a restaurant, um, if they went into a museum, I mean, just anything. And so, but they also told me that they could have strictly, they could have played in those games, but they would have vir- had to have been virtually isolated in the hotel rooms for all other, you know, the entire rest of the time that they were there. So maybe that's what Memphis did. I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but it sounds, like I said, it's not, it's not my beat. I'm not going to investigate it, but sure. it's certainly, I would be, I'd, It'd be, it'd be a good story if I covered Memphis. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. All right, so the Memphis game is over. Um, we don't expect the Tigers to be on. And you've been on this. You've talked about this for a while. There's far It's a far greater benefit for Memphis to play Tennessee than it is for Tennessee to play Memphis uh, in, in basketball or football, given where both the, the, the Tennessee football program is and obviously with its tradition in the SEC and obviously where Tennessee's basketball program is now. So um, nobody's – there's no love affair and there's no great desire to, to, to play that game. So I don't think you have to worry about Memphis moving forward. Let's talk about what you do have to worry about moving forward if you're Tennessee, and that's a Wednesday night game against an Arizona team, Rob, that continues to climb in the rankings and, and continues to play um, – really solid basketball, really good basketball. What, what are your takeaways for, from, from Arizona? And how big of a deal is it for Tennessee to, to get lathered up and not play and, and basically go a week here without playing a game? You know, I'm kind of interested to see that myself because they were, wound, they were wound up Saturday talking to people around the program. They were, they were locked in. They were excited. It was going to be a big-time atmosphere. So, you know, I, I don't – after that kind of letdown, I, I don't expect it to, to be a big deal, but – but you really kind of wonder because there were, I mean, the juices were flowing and they just said, you know, they just had the, the plug pulled on them. Um, I do know it looked like Monday they had a really energetic practice. Um, probably the best I've seen John Fulgerson look this season. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make a big deal out of that because that always doesn't translate, but uh, they, they were, they were going hard. I mean, they went, they went hard five on five for, for a long time. I mean, the guys certainly got, got a workout in. Um, so, I don't know that they'll they'll be rusty. I, mean, I guess I don't think Arizona's played. Uh, they played one. They did. They had a game on Saturday, but it was you know just a scrimmage, directional school, yeah, pretty much. And um, but I tell you, this Arizona's a really interesting team. You know, Tommy Lloyd, the head coach, was a an assistant for 22 years at Gonzaga, and and you look at this Arizona team, and, and it makes you makes you think that Tommy Floyd was the guy was heavily responsible for international recruiting. <laughs> Arizona has one, one 
guy who, who was born on, on U.S. soil and uh, and four international players. Um, I mean, they're from Cameroon, Lithuania, Canada, Estonia, uh, all over the place. And you know, they've got some size. I mean, to, to, I wonder how, t- how Tennessee can handle the size. That, it's not real athletic size, but they're big. Uh, seven, they go 7'1", 6'11". They're starting post guys. And uh, both of them pretty good rebounders, six, seven, eight, eight rebounds a game. So to me, that's that's where the challenge starts for Tennessee. Interesting. When you have a, a core of international players like that, a lot of times you get guys who, you know, like the open space. Some of those big guys can step out and, and shoot the basketball. When, when you look at Arizona, uh, just kind of overall, you mentioned their size and what they do. I mean, style of play offensively, what, what do you what do you expect from, from them? I, mean, I think they want to look a lot, lot uh, want to look a lot like Gonzaga. They're not gonna be played afraid to play a fast pace. Um as you mentioned, spacing, I, th- I think, is a really big deal. And, uh, and the big guys, at least one of the big guys, can shoot it pretty well, kind of like we're, you know, we've seen from those, those Gonzaga teams. And even outside of the post, I mean, they're big on the wing, 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, uh, a little bit like Texas Tech was. But I don't, don't think they have that same kind of athleticism to go with that length that bothered Tennessee. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I was talking with somebody in, in the sports information department today the reason I bring it up is going to be interesting to see how, how much Rick can go with that small ball lineup. But I, um, that's a smaller sample size because they've not played a ton of minutes together, but that group I think has the, has the highest plus plus minus on the team with those trio of, of is that of uh, Viscovi or Vescovi, excuse me, Kennedy Chandler and uh, Zakai Ziegler are on the floor together. So that creates matchup problems both ways, right? I mean, if yeah, you go that is, way, I mean, it, that gives, that could affect Arizona's size on the offense because Tennessee might be able to get in some dribble drive situations, right? Be able to beat them, maybe get up and down the floor pacing wise. But then on the other end, defensively, you would think Arizona could even post up some, some, some guards if they wanted to, if Tennessee went with that trio of lineup, yeah. that could be a, an interesting defensive challenge for Tennessee. It could. And my thing with, with, um, the posting of guards, I mean, everybody wants to say it. I mean, I do too, but really, I mean, how many, college guards have, have good back-to-the-basket games. I mean, how often do they, do they work on that? I mean, there, there are some, don't get me wrong, but it's not it's just not a given. And, and on, the, on the other end, um, I'll be interested to see how Gonzaga defends with that much size and length on the floor because they're not going to be able to switch everything. Yeah, it's true. Close. I mean, yeah, so does Tennessee go a lot of high ball screen action and, and try to force, you know, try to force guys to get through? I mean, it would seem to be maybe a heavy screen game for Tennessee – not that screens the screen game is always there, but but something where you might be able to create some mismatches because you can't you can't switch as you're talking about guys can't maybe can't get through the screen might create some open looks for you in in that regard kind of an intriguing matchup I don't I don't want to take anything away from Arizona Rob but I mean they're 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 the seventh ranked team in the country that nobody seems to be much talking about you know and I think that's in part because they play late night games nobody. Not a lot of people have seen them a whole lot at this point. They're not into conference play, uh, but but they haven't generated a ton of buzz to be where they're ranked at this point. At least not, not that I've seen. Maybe that's an unfair, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from them because I think they've certainly exceeded expectations. I mean, they were unranked in the preseason, but they got a lot of pop early on for beating Michigan when Michigan was ranked number four. And, you know, Michigan clearly is not that good, or at least they're not playing that good right now. And to me, I think their best win – given what we've seen from Michigan, and that was a neutral site game in the tournament, uh, was last Saturday at Illinois. They won a tough road game against, I think, a pretty solid 
Illinois team uh, by four points. So I I don't necessarily think they're the seventh ranked, seventh best team in the country. I, I think they're very very solid. And as you said, nobody sees them play, and they also they don't have any they don't have any big name recruits guys you know one and done type guys right. on on their team. They've got all the you know a collection of all these international kids who have found their way to the desert. Yeah, that nobody has any idea who they are, and they're still trying to figure out how to pronounce names and 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 see who see exactly what they're about and what what they're not about. I ask you this question seemingly every week: Is is Rick's rotation changing at all, or, or do you think that that he's kind of locked in where he's been locked in, and 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 that's kind of where you're going to roll from there? How do you see this thing changing? Moving I think forward? he's going to keep playing all those guys, um, and I base this, you know, he, he said he's, he pretty much said as much on on Monday, but then. Uh, during Monday's practice, in addition to the, the usual starting five guys that got minutes wearing the, the quote-unquote orange jerseys, first team minutes were uh, Huntley Hatfield spent time in an orange jersey, Euros Plavzik spent time in an orange jersey, and to surprise him a little bit, although he, he got in the game early last week, uh, Jemai Meshack getting some some first team minute runs, and, and I think DJ Bailey is going to continue to, to play some, so I mean, that's, what, nine yeah, and, and Justin Powell is going to keep, keep playing. So I didn't, I, I never thought Rick was going to play ten, but I, I think he is going to continue to play ten for for now. How big is this game for for Tennessee as you get ready for conference play? I mean, how how important is this game to kind of get yourself moving? I mean, this was obviously going to be a big big week. Memphis, Arizona, then then Alabama's there. Uh, the Memphis game being being gone now. How big is this one particular game against Arizona as the kind of final game, if you will, before you get into league play? Well, I think it's big for you nationally, perception-wise. I mean, this is going to I mean, if, if Arizona turns out to really be a top-10 team and they you know, run through the Pac-12, then this is going to be a game that helps you a ton on Selection Sunday. And, you know, how many top-10 – I don't know that you're going to get into the top-10 win in the SEC, except for maybe Alabama. I guess they, they fell 2-10 this week, I think, after losing to Memphis. I mean, that, 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 that loss took a lot of shine off – Alabama to me so you know Kentucky would be a good win if you get it LSU would be a good win if you get it but this would be one that would resonate you know I, I think with, with the NCAA committee assuming you know Arizona really is as good as, as they're ranked right now so I, I think it'd be a bit I think I don't want to overstate it but it would be a pretty big deal to, to fluff up your, your national resume yep and, and a big time matchup then Alabama uh, you know I know we're going to talk about them you know next week moving forward but but league play is here one off for the tide against Memphis. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because I watched pretty much all of that that game against Houston, which was on Saturday night. I guess three or four days before, because it pretty much just lined up perfectly with me getting home after Tennessee and USC Upstate or UNC Greensboro that day. And so I, I pretty much watched it from, from tip to buzzer against Houston. I was really impressed with Alabama. That was a big time basketball game. So then I'm I'm ready to watch them against Memphis a few nights later, and it just doesn't look like the same team. Um, I would probably throw it as a one-off, but at least maybe in the span of four days, they showed you their floor and their ceiling because I was I was stunned at the Memphis game, and that was a raucous environment. Memphis was desperate with their backs to the wall. They'd lost four in a row. Big-time fan supporting that building, but I was – I mean, I was shocked that Alabama was – I don't know what the final score ended up being, but it was it was not indicative of, of how badly they got beaten. Yeah, I mean, they, they never – I mean, they never got back in it, really. I mean, Memphis had control of that game seemingly from the opening tip or, fe- or felt that way that, um, you know, Alabama never made a run. You kept looking for a run, and, and you didn't 
you didn't see a run there, you know, coming for sure. Um, lastly, uh, the identity of this basketball team offensively is, I know you've talked about Kumwa's got to be a guy that's really important and, and, and a post presence for some scoring. Bottom line, is this going to be a basketball team that if they shoot it well from the perimeter, they're going to be hard, they're going to be a hard out for any night. And if they don't shoot well from the perimeter, it's going to be hard for them to advance. Is, is that kind of the, the makeup of this team, you think? I got the stat right here in front of me. Remember. In, in their eight wins, Tennessee is shooting 39.6% from three-point range. In their two losses, they are shooting 16% from three-point range. I guess now, we, I think that's I guess we answered the question, right? <laughs> I think that's going to be the story of the year. Uh, we'll see how Tennessee shoots it um, on Wednesday night against Arizona and their length, which will provide some challenges for Tennessee, but also some opportunities as well. We'll have full coverage of Tennessee and Alabama coming up Wednesday night. Let's turn our attention now to some football, a little football recruiting. Obviously, we'll have full coverage of Tennessee and Arizona basketball coming up on Wednesday night, but Tennessee on the practice field uh, on this Tuesday, uh, getting back into gear. They practice on Monday. We got a little access, chance to talk to players coming up a little bit later today. Josh Heupel will meet the media for a final time on Wednesday before Christmas. And then the next time we'll talk to the Vols will be in Nashville in the Music City Bowl. Austin, this feels like a pretty healthy football team right now. It also appears like a football team is not going to have Cade Mays in the bowl game. Is that is that a pretty safe assumption at, at this point, or is that still up in the air in your opinion? I think it's still slightly up in the air. I won't rule Cade out yet. Um, you know, it, it is a healthy football team. I mean, you got Alante who's opted out. But other than that, I mean, everybody else seems like they're good to go, which is, you know, better than, you know, Purdue can say. I mean, they've got their best two players out in this football game. So, um, be interested to see kind of where this thing, uh, you know, goes over the next, uh, you know, 10 days or so. But, I mean, it certainly feels like, and you know, barring some kind of – practice mishap that Tennessee's going to roll in there with their full allotment of players on offense, uh, minus maybe Cade. And then, uh, you know, same thing on defense, minus Alante Taylor. Yeah, interesting at that cornerback position um, where Taylor will not play. It's going to be pretty fascinating to see what Tennessee does there. Is that by committee? It sounds like that might be by committee. This is a Purdue team that's going to throw it a lot more than they're going to run it. So the opportunities are going to be there at the cornerback position. Is this Kamal Hyden to start, you think, and then how he plays determines what, what a rotation looks like at defensive back? Or do you think Willie Martinez is going into this with a rotation? I'm assuming Kenneth George Jr. is out, okay, because he's not played in a month. So I would assume he's a non-factor here. So now you're talking about who playing uh, corner if it's not Hyden. Hadden Turnage, uh, Deshaun Rucker, um, you know, I, I don't think it'd fall behind those guys. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's Hadden's to, to start. You know, Willie's very much a guy, a, a guy that, you know, earn it and prove it to him. And and since, you know, Hadden's kind of been that guy that's filled in when players have been, you know, had to be, you know, be out for a series of plays or whatever, I would venture to say he'll get the first crack. Yep, we've not seen a lot of Kamal Haddon since the Kentucky game where obviously he messed up that coverage on the fourth down play. They haven't needed him, but we'll see what happens there as it's been a lot of warm. Breath. I would play him unless you get to that fourth and 24 range hubs and then, then take him out. Yeah, this seems like a team that's pretty focused, though. I mean, you you, you talked to Theo Jackson uh, last week. You talked to Omari Thomas and guys that, you, that you've uh, spoken with. 
Um, it feels like this is a team that this bowl game means a lot to the veteran guys because I think for them, this is the completion of the job and of the journey, meaning you're going to leave this place better than it was over the course of the last couple of years. Fair statement or not a fair statement? Very fair statement. I think there's some pride. I think they know getting to eight wins um, is, is a nice accomplishment. And, uh, you know, look, they all had pride to go out and win their last game at Neyland. I think much of those same group of kids have the same pride in just going out a winner period. Like nobody wants to lose their last college game. I mean, I know it's, you know, it's a bowl game. It's, you know, a middle of the road bowl game, but nobody, I mean, like if you're a competitor at all and you have any kind of competitive spirit in you, you don't want to lose this game. Yeah. If you're dressed to play, you're dressed to win. Otherwise, no, you're not dressing. I mean, that's kind of where bowl games have gotten to. If you're not really not that, not that uninterested in it, you're opting out if you're a veteran player. Um, so if you're if you're dressing, you're you're in it to win it. I, I totally believe that. Uh, let's let's talk a little recruiting. Um, obviously, we're in the middle of a dead period now. Um, then it's going to open back up. We, we've seen about you know some potential official visitors out there. Uh, the Moton kids won. Uh, anything anything else offensively? You think from a visit standpoint, or does this thing feel pretty? I don't want to say set on offense, not that they wouldn't look out there, but do you, you see anything else going on? I mean, Moten's kind of the only name that's generating some buzz out of high school players right now, right? He is. You know, I mean, like, that's the thing. Is like the board's like, well, give us some names. Like, there are none. I've asked. I mean, like, you know, that, that's the crazy part is, like, there's just not a whole lot of high school names. I mean, could Tennessee potentially take a swing at Jordan James? Maybe. Maybe we'll see. I, I think he's going to take visits in the month of January, um, you know. And and if he does that, if he does indeed do that, then you know I could see Tennessee maybe taking a swing there. But do they take a third high school back, or do they wait and see who goes in the portal later? You know, I mean, like it doesn't have to always be black and white, hubs. You know, like and that's that's the thing. It doesn't always have to be black and white when it comes to the portal. When it comes to you know how you recruit. Um, and so things change all the time. And so I'll, I'll say this. I do think, I do think that they're going to they're gonna go in the portal pretty hard for a receiver when the right one goes in. And if the right one goes in the portal, then Tennessee, I think, will go really hard. But right now, you know, again, they've evaluated the kid in Western Kentucky. That one's not one that they really are willing to go head over heels in on. I mean, like, it's just, you know – that's just another body. That's taking a body to, to have a body. Um, you know, and then Jared Verse, that's the other big one out there besides Moten. So Tennessee's kind of just kind of in a wait and see mode. And and it's as simple as that. I know that's hard to believe, but it just kind of is what it is. Well, I mean, you're, you are bouncing a little bit of numbers. I know that the math, I don't completely understand. I still think, you know, up to 27 would be kind of where they would end up at. Uh, so I don't think you're just going to take guys to take guys versus making his travels from Arizona back to uh, Albany and, and, and a lot of time to, to think in the car. And we'll see where kind of he's at uh, on the way back in. He can't stop in and see anybody. I guess he could. No, he's going from Albany to Arizona. I mean, oh, going to Arizona. Excuse yeah. Me. Leaving Albany yeah. going to Arizona. I think he's supposed to he's supposed to arrive in Arizona today. Um, I think, you know, spent Monday night in Denver, best I checked. Okay. Based on my talk with him a few days ago when he was laying out his travel plans, he wanted to stop in and eat in Kansas City. He's never done that. He wanted to stop in Denver. And so, 
that was kind of where he was headed. Yeah, so we'll see where, where that one's at. I still think there's a really good chance he's going to take that fifth official visit um, the first week of January when it opens up, and we'll see where that fifth of visit fifth official visit is to or is Yeah, the problem that with that one, Hubs, and I don't disagree with you at all, the problem is, is he's had so many Floridas and Oklahomas and those type and Auburns that have all come in here on him. Like, I, how do you choose just one of those to go visit? Because he told me he's not taking more. I said, you won't go anywhere unofficially just to kind of get as many looks as you can? He said, no, it would be one official. He, he continues to say, I'm not even sure I will take that. Yeah, and we'll, I mean, maybe he feels comfortable with, with what he's got. But, again, his phone is ringing, the LSUs, the Floridas, Auburns, Oklahomas, and it's certainly giving him some things to think about. and some Anybody that's got a lot of spots left. Yeah, some schools that have spots left are certainly interested in him. And Tennessee obviously continues uh, to try to recruit hard there. That, that one's gotten harder as more teams have gotten involved. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure Syracuse – Austin felt really good that first weekend. They got yeah. on campus longer than anybody, and then all of a sudden it was like, no, that's probably not going to happen. Too many, too many other schools jumping in into the fray there. Um, and, and then we'll see, as for this Tennessee current team, this affects numbers a little bit in terms of our needs. Does everybody come back for the spring semester? Um, they, they've got several weeks in the month of January to, to kind of decide what they're going to do there. Are they all going to come back? Are they not going to come back? Somebody going to leave after spring? Somebody going to leave before spring? You know, that, that's always a possibility as guys continue to jump in the portal every day. Well, and there you go. That You just hit the nail on the head, Hubs. I think that, you know, one of the reasons that Tennessee doesn't have a ton of interest out there in guys, one, because they're not crazy about the ones out there, but two, because there's going to be this wave after bowl games. You're going to have about a two-week run window for guys that go in and potentially land somewhere else really quick. And does someone fall your way there? Then you're going to have the wave that happens after spring practice same type thing there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I just keep going back to, you know, it's better to be more um, kind of thorough and methodical instead of just knee-jerk with Portal. Uh, you know, I don't think you can live in it, but if you're going to spend a lot of time there, you better be methodical about it and not just, you know, oh, that sounds like a good deal, and, and you know, ripping that one off the shelf, and then you find out uh, you overpaid. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you you, you got a guy in that, that that cost you a spot and he can't help you. I mean, you, you just don't want to do, um, you just don't you don't want to get a guy in just to have a body in there. And, and I think that's the challenge for coaches out there is how selective are they going to be? Wide receiver, linebacker, defensive line, uh, corner maybe Austin, um, another offensive lineman. I mean, they've got plenty of things to kind of choose from. It feels like an outside receiver. And then a guy off the edge slash linebacker is kind of the, um, the the biggest priorities for Tennessee. It, it feels to me like in terms of where things are in the transfer portal um, right now. So uh, what that looks like moving forward, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Tennessee does have several of those midterm guys on campus trying to get a little work in to see what some of those guys look like, let them get a feel for it. But Tennessee's very much into game prep mode for Purdue. That's what practice has turned into. The whole notion that this this extra spring practice and all that that this is about game planning now. When you look at the you know just over a week before this game, Tennessee is diving in and, and getting ready for Purdue. So we'll have full coverage coming up of um, press conferences. As obviously players going to meet the media later today, and then on Wednesday, Josh Heupel meets the media for a final time, and then we'll have all of our coverage from Nashville as we'll be out there. Uh, in full tilt, uh, giving you all the coverage we can from everything that's going on in Nashville 
with Tennessee and Purdue and maybe a little recruiting and who knows what else is going on in Nashville while we were out there. While we're out there, we will cover all that for you. As we get out the door here, Austin, I, I do want to ask your thoughts on Tiger and Charlie Woods this weekend. That was great, man. I really did. You know, I, I text our buddy Brant Packer. Um, I said, you know, imagine if Stuart Sink wins this thing in a playoff over, over Tiger and Charlie. He would have beaten 59-year-old Tom Watson at the Open back in 2009 when nobody wanted him to win. Absolutely. And then it would have been Tiger and Charlie coming off the car wreck comeback when nobody wanted him to win. Now, it ended up being John Daly. But, I mean, hey, man, it was great. He had some great shots. Charlie, his, his shot on 17 was as impressive as anything I've seen just because, you know, the wind was coming off the left. He hit that ball and it, it landed three feet left of the hole. And when you factor in that he was playing not the up tees, he because the, the escalade was on the line, he was everybody played from the same place. Right. And he knocked that thing in there stiff. They made the putt. And, you know, they, they ended up going for the right thing. I know they didn't make birdie at 18 to make 12 in a row and finish at 26, but to, they were going for, to try to get in the playoff and they had to hold that chip. And so they had to at least get it there. And so, um, but it was just good. I don't know when he plays again. Obviously, the car was a huge help. Um, I'd be fine if he just plays in this once a year. It's a little taste of something, you know, nostalgia. It's kind of like, you know, if, if MJ just played in a three-on-three game with his boys, you know, people would watch, you know. People love people love nostalgia hubs. And so, like, you know, I, I keep going back to, you know, I've said this before, The that, golf's got a lot of great young players, but the guys that move the needle are still 52-year-old Phil Mickelson and – 46, almost 47, come later this week or ne later next week, broken down Tiger Woods. And, and like that to me is worrisome. I mean, again, golf's not dying. It, it, you know, I don't think it's like NASCAR, but like you need somebody that moves the needle. And it may be before a guy like Charlie Woods comes along before somebody moves the needle anyway. But hey, I, I'll, we'll take whatever we can get. I, I love to watch Phil play. I love to watch Tiger play and bring on the masters. Yeah. Well, that was fun this weekend. And I mean, I, I like that event. Um, it certainly took on a different feeling to, to see that those two guys out there playing and was fun to watch for sure. So um, back to football, back to basketball, back to recruiting. We'll have it all covered for you at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics VolQuest.com podcast for Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.